All right, good morning, everyone. I'm sorry that uh, a few minutes late. It's a, and my name is Shmuel Silber. It's a great Zuchos, Baruch Hashem, to be here with all of you on Tu Bishvat, to be able to emir Hashem infuse a little bit of additional Kiddusha into what is a very underappreciated day. So let's begin, actually, in your source packets. It's, my sources begin on page number four. So just to, just to kind of frame the day of Tu Bishvat a little bit, and then delve a little bit deeper. So the Shulchanar talks about Tu Bishvat. And the Shulchan Raza to Bishvat, and I know there was, uh, this is already your second, uh, your second share today. Yeah. All right, so I hope I'm not uh, overlapping with, uh, with the previous speaker. If I do, it'll be a little bit, a little bit of Chazara. So the Shulchan Aruch writes in number one as follows. Nogu shalolipal al pneim b'tu Bishvat. We do not recite Tachnun on tu Bishvat. Now, the fact that we don't recite Tachnun on tu Bishvat, what does that tell you? Happy day. It's a happy day. Why? What's the nature of Tachnun? It's sad. Good. The whole, the whole tone of Tachnun is one of heaviness, is one of sadness, is one of difficulty. So any day in which ultimately there's some overtone of Simcha, we automatically omit Tachnun. So already out of the gate, out of the gate we know that there's something unique about Tu Bishvat, something Simchatik about this Tu Bishvat. And Mr. Bura comments on this and he says, Tu Bishvat, Shur Rosh Hashanah Ilanos. So the Mishnah Buddha says, okay, so also Sashat Tu Bishvat. He says it's the new year for trees, and the Ashkenazim go ahead and have all different types of fruits. Okay, so let's talk about this for a little bit. This idea that Tu Bishvat is the Rosh Hashanah Le'ilano, so the new year for trees, comes from the first Mishnah in Meseches Rosh Hashanah. This is source number three on your sheet. The Mishnah here discusses the idea that there are four new years. Arba Rashi Shanimim. Four new years. The most, of course, well-known new year is? Rosh Hashanah. Right, Rosh Hashanah. Thank you. Good. Which Rosh Hashanah? Aleph Tishrei. Aleph Tishrei, which again, interestingly enough, I want to point out, the Mishnah does not identify as anything to do with judgment, but rather, again, the first of Tishrei is what the Mishnah calls Rosh Hashanah Lashanim. Lashanim, ultimately again, for a new year for years. For years, meaning a calendrical new year. Another example of a new year is first of Nisan. First of Nisan, the Mishnah says, is Rosh Hashanah That was how kings would count their reign, right? The year of the reign would change every single Nisan. If you look at the last underlined line in number three, on the first of Shvat, Rosh Hashanah Le'ilan is the new year for Elon, for the tree. Now the truth is, I'm actually going to change a little bit from what I have on the sources here. This machlokis, Hisham Beis Hillel, is a fascinating machlokis. Understand that whenever you find a machlokis in halacha, between Hisham and Beis Hillel, a machlokis in halacha is almost always also a machlokis in hashkafa. What's the fundamental distinction between Hashkafas Beis Hillel and Hashkafas Beis Shammai? I should say, really, Hashkafas Hillel and Hashkafas Shammai. What's their fundamental Hashkafic debate in life? Now, you must have thought about this before. We have so many machloks in Beisham Beisil, all right? There's got to be some, some underlying... Okay, so this will be your homework, Amir. So you'll, you'll, give, you'll give some thought to what is it that is the Hashkafic debate, the ongoing... Because again, remember, generally, Beishamai is... <coughs> Beishamai is... <coughs> I'm sorry. Machmir, correct. Beisil is... Leader. Good, I only left you one answer for that. Good, make all right? Beishamai is Machmir, Beishamai is... 
it's not an accident. Now, there, are there exceptions to that? Yes, there are a couple of cases in which Beis Hillel is more machmer, Beis Shammai is more mekel. But the fact that Shammai almost always comes out machmer, and Hillel almost always comes out mekel, it's not random. It's not random. It's rooted in a deeper life hashkafa, and it's deep rooted in a deeper hashkafa sachayim for both Shammai and Hillel. But again, we'll leave that on the side for now. Let's leave that guys on the side. Let's focus on Beis Hillel. When is the Rosh Hashanah? When is the new year for trees? We'll go with Beis Hillel to Bishvat. Today, the 15th of Shvat. Now, what does it mean that today is the Rosh Hashanah Le'ilanos? Halachically, what does that mean? Excellent, excellent. So we know again in Eretz Yisrael, we operate, how long is the agricultural cycle in Eretz Yisrael? How long? What's a unit agricultural cycle in Eretz Yisrael? Seven years. years. Excellent. Working backwards, year seven is? Shemitah. Now, over the course of the other seven years, over the course, now remember, which trumas and maestros apply during the Shemitah year? None, because remember, what's the produce during the Shemitah year? It's all hefker. Right? It's all Hefker. Now, working backwards, working backwards, on the other six years, remember again, there's an obligation to give Truma. Who does Truma go to? Kohen. Excellent. Maiser Rishon? Girls, you have to know this. Mashiach is going to be here, Amir Sashem. Right? And suddenly, again, there's not going to be academic things. You're going to have to be separating Truma and Maiser every day. So you got to brush up on this. Right? Maiser Rishon goes to the Levium. Maiser Shani? Close. Meister Shani is yours to eat. Your, it's a good thing Rabbi Zinozbam is not here today. I, don't know, I, I feel like you'd be getting some extra classwork. So, so Meister, Meister Shani is yours. It belongs to the owner. The owner could eat it. The owner could eat it, but he has to eat it where? In Yerushalayim. Excellent. Good. And last, of course, is Meister Ani. Meister Ani goes to? The Aniyim, to the poor. So on different years of the Shemitah cycle, different tithes switch off. So you, you give Truma every single year. But the truth is what really switches is Meiser Sheni and Meiser Ani. So years in which you get, you eat Meiser you, you take Meiser Sheni, you don't take Meiser Ani. Years in which you take Meiser Ani, you don't take Meiser Sheni. Here is where Tu Bishvat plays a pivotal role. Because for fruits of the tree, for trees, how do you determine which tithing year it is? So interestingly enough, that is not determined by the calendrical year on the first of Tishrei, but rather it is determined by the agricultural new year for trees, i.e. the 15th of Shvat. So for example, just for illustration purposes, a tree planted let's say the 13th of Shvat. The 13th, I'm using planting just as an example. Don't take it halachically, literally, but a tree planted on the 13th of Shvat, 5783, will belong to one tithing year versus a tree planted 16th of Shvat, 5783, same calendar year, will belong to a different tithing year. Okay. Is this riveting and interesting? Oh, you're so nice. No, it's not. No, it's not, right? I mean, it, it, it's interesting in that, in that, again, it's part of agricultural society, but the truth is, okay, got it. I, I, I understand it now. It makes a little bit more sense. What doesn't make sense, or what doesn't yet make sense is, so why is this there yantif? In other words, I got it. I understand, now, now I understand the importance of Tu B'Shvat. I understand the agricultural significance 
of the day. I, I, I get it. I get it. But remember, going back to number one, the Shulchan Aruch said, what don't we recite today? What don't we recite? Tachnun. If you're not reciting Tachnun, what does that say about the day? That it's happy. That it's, that it's at least it's a shtekel yantiv. In other words, it's something. It's some element of celebration associated with the day. So I don't understand. I understand the agricultural significance but I do not understand why this agricultural significance translates or creates some element of yumtiv of happiness associated with this day. So I'll show you something very interesting. If you take a look at number three, spend a moment, spend a moment looking at the Mishnah in number three. So this is the first Mishnah, Mesechas Rosh Hashanah. If you take a look at it, what's different about the last line? Rosh Hashanah Le'ilon. What's different about that formulation that, that stands out different than the rest of the Mishnah? What would you say? Sorry? Singular. Singular. Excellent. Excellent. If you notice, by the way, everything else, Becha Benisan, Rosh Hashanah Right? Meister Behemah is also considered to be plural. Right? Rosh Hashanah Everything is in the plural. Yet, when it comes to Tu Bishvat, it's in the singular. Be'echar Bishvat, we'll go with again, Tu Bishvat, Rosh Hashanah Le'ilon, for the tree. What should it say? If again, if you wanted to maintain Mishnaic symmetry, how would you write it? Rosh Hashanah Le'ilonos. In fact, I'll point out, normally, when Tu Bishvat is, when Tu Bishvat is spoken about, Tu Bishvat is, is discussed, very often the phraseology that's used is that Tu Bishvat is Rosh Hashanah Le'ilonos. It's often stated in the plural. But it's important to understand that that is not true to the text of the Mishnah. The Mishnah Dafka says Rosh Hashanah Le'ilon singular. Singular. So I want to share with you something absolutely amazing. The Ba'ashan Tav HaKadosh is actually quoted in a number of different sources. In the Sefer Zechar David, he also quotes it from the Zohar. This says something amazing. Ilon, Ilon is a tree. But there's an incredible Pasuk, I don't think, oh, I did, I put it in number 11 on your sheet. I'm sorry, the, the numbering is a little bit off, I apologize for that. If you take a look at number 11 on the sheet, which is still the same page 4, the Pasuk talks about the following. So here, Torah is talking about the halachas of going out to war. Literally translated, when you go out to war, you lay siege to a city. What is the Torah telling me? You cannot go ahead and chop down trees. What halacha is this? Excellent. Baltashchis. Excellent. You cannot go ahead and unnecessarily destroy things, even in the midst of battle. Even in the midst of battle, if you need to destroy something because it serves a purpose, you can do that. But again, if wanton destruction, unnecessary destruction, you're not allowed to do. Now, if you look at the Lashonah why? Now, the truth is, it's a rhetorical question. Torah is saying, because is the tree an enemy combatant, right? Is the tree, is the tree a soldier? That sh- the tree didn't do anything to you. So if the tree didn't do anything to you, the tree doesn't pose a risk, the tree doesn't pose any harm, don't chop down the tree. So the Zohar, Bashtan many other sources in Hasidic literature understand this phrase in a very profound way. That Kia Adam Eitz Hasada is also a declarative statement. Man is like a tree. So if I were to ask you, in what way is a person like a tree? What would you say? Well, how, how does a person resemble a tree? They both grow. Excellent. Good. What else? Need air. Both need air. Good. What else? 
they have roots and branches. Excellent. So by a person, what do roots and branches represent? Roots? Where do you come from? Excellent. Branches? Right? Amir Tzashem, you know, your, your branches could be your own mishpacha, what you're going to accomplish, what you're going to do. By the way, what else do trees have, at least in this context? Fruit. What do fruit represent? Children. Children or your meisim tovim. Right? Fruit represent, again, the, right? Peros. Your peros. What are your peros? It's true. Peros could be family. Peros could be children. But at the end of the day, if you think about it, what are your true peros in life? Your true peros? Your meisim tovim. says something so beautiful. He says, on the Pasuk, Eile toldos noach, noach, ish tzadik tamim hayabedorosav. So the Pasuk doesn't read well. Right? Why doesn't it read well? Ela told us Noah. What would you expect for the Pasuk to say right after? These are the generations of Noah. What should come right after that? His children. His children. It's only the next Pasuk that it's mentioned, Shem, Cham, and Yafes. And the Rebbe says something so beautiful. The Pasuk is telling you something amazing. Ela told us Noah. Do you know what the greatest offspring of Noah was? The greatest offspring? The greatest offspring of Noah was? Noah. The greatest thing in this world that you create is you. That's the greatest thing you create. And if you think about it, it's such an incredible use of what Yitzhak is teaching us. You might say, the greatest thing you create maybe is your children. What's the problem with that statement? What's the problem with the statement? Number one, not everyone is Zohar to have children. That's number one. Number two, what else? Not everyone's children turn out the way they want them to. Right? One of the, one of the most sobering lessons in parenting is you could do anything and everything, quote-unquote, right. Children have Bechira Chavshis. They have free will, just like every other human being. And often they're going to make their own decisions. And often decisions, I'm sure no one here has ever made a life decision that is not in conformance with their parents' wishes and wills. Right? But maybe you have a friend who has done something like that. And it happens. And as children get older, they make even more significant decisions. So it can't be that my greatest accomplishment in life are my children, because I don't really even have complete control over that. My greatest, my greatest creation in this world is me. Is me. Because that I have control over. Because that I have power. I don't, I can raise my children in a certain way, give them proper hadracha, give them good chinuch, give them proper kalim, the proper tools to be successful in life. But how, when, and if they use them, that is totally up to them. Totally up to them. The only thing in life that I truly control is the nature and the quality of the person that I become. So therefore, again, says the Bashant of HaKadosh something amazing. Kia Adam Sasada is a dramatic life. Man is like a tree. Man is like a tree. The tree has roots, I have roots. I don't exist in a vacuum. I come from somewhere. The tree has branches, I have branches. I'm not going to be content with just being a trunk. I want to develop. The tree has, bears fruit, I want to create the fruit of my symptom as well. So narrative about Shem Tavakadosh says, he makes a cryptic statement. He says, and herein lies the power of Tu Bishvat. Herein lies the power of Tu Bishvat. Because just like, remember, what does the Mishnah say? What does the Mishnah say? That what is Tu Bishvat? What was the Lashon of the Mishnah? Tu Bishvat is what? Rosh Hashanah? Rosh Hashanah? Le'ilan. By the way, how do you translate Rosh Hashanah Le'ilan? Or let me ask you differently. So, how would you translate Rosh Hashanah La'ilan? For the tree. For the tree. Write the definitive article. La'ilan. La'ilan. Says Hashanah Kalich, you know what the Mishnah is teaching me? 
Tubishvat is not simply a new year in an agricultural sense for the trees. But Tubishvat is also a new beginning for the tree. The tree. The definitive article. Who is the tree? Who is the tree that the Mishnah is referring to? Us. Kia Adam eats Hasada. Do you want to know the power of Tubishvat? The power of Tubishvat is that it is a Rosh Hashanah for man. It's a Rosh Hashanah for human beings. It's a Rosh Hashanah, a new beginning for each of us. So what's the Pshat? What's the Pshat and what's the connection? But I understand the, I understand the Elon Elon. I understand the eights eight. I understand that connection. But on a deeper level, what's happening over here? Let me ask you this question. I'm assuming many of you have had the opportunity to be an Eretz Yisrael for Tu Bishvat. Right? Does nature look different on Tu Bishvat? No. No, in, in fact, Tu Bishvat is still, is still the middle of, not the middle, Tu Bishvat is the end of the rainy season, but there's still winter. In fact, there's a major storm now happening in Eretz Yisrael, major storm. Baruch Hashem, the Kinneret went up by 1.5 millimeters overnight. So much rain, they're expecting snow now in the north of Eretz Yisrael as well. Major, major rain, major storms. I'm headed there tonight, so I'm not super excited about the storm, but I'm happy, I'm happy, happy for Klal Yisrael. But uh, okay, in any event, in any event, so if you go into, if you go, if you go into nature at Tubishvat, the nature looks the same. By the way, there's one exception. What tree has already begun to blossom at Tubishvat? Right, don't, I was going to say, don't make me sing the song. Right, it, it's Hashkedia Parachat, right? In other words, the almond tree, it's not just the song, it's actually true, the almond tree is the earliest blossoming tree. So it's incredible. Now already, while it's still winter, you can begin to see almond trees blossoming in Eretz Yisrael. But otherwise, leaving aside the Shkediah, leaving aside the almond tree, nature looks the same as it did a week ago. And what does nature look like during the winter? What does it look like? Dead. Dead. It looks dead. But yet Rashi makes an incredible, Rashi and Rosh Hashanah makes an incredible statement. Because Rashi is also bothered by this. Rashi says, I don't understand. Why Tu Bishvat? Why Tu Bishvat? Again, in other words, wait till the winter's over. That's when really everything begins to flourish. That's when everything begins to blossom. Right? And especially on the metaphorical level. If this is a new beginning, if this is a new beginning, so at the end it doesn't make sense to make the new beginning for nature, the new beginning of man, when nature is actually re-blossoming. But here you go outside, and everything looks as dead today as it did yesterday, as it did two months ago. There's no external rejuvenation. And Rashi says something amazing. By the time you get to Tubishat, by the way, if you want to see it inside, it's Rashi, it's Rashi in number 13. I'm sorry, the numbering is totally off, which is on page six, right? Rashi points out something amazing. Rashi says that by the time we get to Tubishvat, the majority of the rainy season is over. Look at number 13. Rashi says something absolutely amazing, overwhelming, and astounding, which is what happens by the time Tu Bishvat comes? The majority of the rainy season is over. And if you were to go ahead and cut open a tree, right? You were to cut open a cross section of a tree, what would you see? Rashi says, you would see the sap bubbling up inside of the tree. Now, what's the sap? The sap is like the very elixir of life of the tree. The sap is the vitality of the tree. It's that sap that is going to go ahead and cause the tree to grow, to rejuvenate, 
to reinvigorate. It's that sap that's going to put leaves on the branches. It's that sap that's going to cause the branches to grow stronger and longer. It's that sap that's going to cause the fruit to come forth. So says the Baal Shem Tov, based on this Rashi, something absolutely amazing. So you look at the tree, right? And if you were looking on the outside of the tree, what do you see? What do you see? Nothing. nothing. Not only do you not see nothing, but if you look at that tree, what, what do you want to say to the tree? What do you want to say? Like Mamash, like Rufu Shleima. You look terrible. <laughs> you look absolutely terrible. Right? I've never seen a worse looking tree in my life. But yet, you cut open that tree and what do you find? The very source of life. The sap. And the sap is bubbling up. Right? The sap is getting ready to course through the tree in its entirety. And says the Baal Shem Tov, you know what that tree reminds me a lot of? Reminds me of me. That sometimes we look in the mirror and to be honest, we're unhappy with the person we see staring back at us. That sometimes I'm just unhappy with where I am in life. I'm unhappy with my lack of accomplishment. I'm unhappy with my lack of growth. And I'm incredibly unhappy with all of the mistakes I've made. And sometimes I feel like that dead tree in the middle of winter. Now the truth is, you're a wonderful group of young women so you probably can't fully relate to what it is that I'm talking about. But Amir Sashem, as you get older and you encounter different situations in life and there are ups and there are downs and there are peaks and valleys and good times and bad times, we all have those moments where I just feel like a tree in the middle of winter. And I feel like there's no vitality, there's no vigor, there are no fruits, there are no leaves, there's, no, there's nothing dynamic about me. I just feel withered up, exhausted, and depleted. And more than that, I feel disappointed in myself because I know I could be doing more. I know I could be growing more. I know that I'm not operating on all cylinders. I know that my life could be more Kaddish. I know that I could be pumping out more accomplishment. I know that I'm capable of doing, accomplishing, and being more. But yet, when I look at myself, all I see is that tree in the midst of winter. That's all I see. But comes to Bishvat, says the Vashant of Akadosh, and he says something amazing. Comes to Bishvat, what happens? Comes to Bishvat as nature begins to renew itself. The tree still looked dead on the outside, but inside again, that sap is churning. Inside, that sap is bubbling. And what do I remember? That what is to Bishvat? Tu B'Shvat is not the Rosh Hashanah simply Le'ilonos. But what is Tu B'Shvat? What is, it is the Rosh Hashanah for what? La? Ilon. For the tree. Not just for the trees of the field. But Tu B'Shvat is the Rosh Hashanah for this tree as well. Because I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I also have the sap of potential running through my veins. I also have the sap of Kedusha coursing through my Neshama. I also have an incredible reservoir of potential, of goodness, of ability that is just waiting to be actualized. It's all residing inside of me. All I have to do is kind of like break, bless you, break open the seal, break open the seal, and somehow tap into it. Says the Bashant of Akadosh. This is the power of Tu Bishvat. Because as nature begins to renew itself, even though nature doesn't look any different, but yet I know that in that tree is the sap of vitality, 
I am reminded that the same thing exists inside of me. No matter how dead I may look on the outside, no matter how compromised, no matter how many terrible mistakes I've made, the sap of potential, the sap of Kedusha, the sap of holiness is coursing through my body, is coursing through my neshama. And so, if today, if today, on Tu B'Shvat, I decide, new beginning, new beginning, new beginning, as they say, Mashahaya Haya, what was, was, and that's it. Now, time for a new beginning. If I want to tap into that energy of Tu B'Shvat, that is within reach. That is my ability. That is my ability. And that's what the Bashat al-Kadosh says. That that's why the Shekhanach Paskind, that on Tu B'Shvat, we don't go ahead and recite Tachanon. Why? Why? Because it's a Yamtif. Or at least it's a day of Simcha. And why is it a day of Simcha? Because it's a day that I discovered that like the trees, I too possess sap. And like the trees, if I want to use that sap to grow, to change, to evolve, that power is in my hands. So you'll ask yourself, but if it's such a great day, so why is it a more full-blown simcha? I always think about it, just from like, what do we do on Tu B'Shvat? What do we do on Tu B'Shvat? Right, eat fruit, right, great. I don't know how it is here, I don't know how it was when you were growing up. I remember growing up, always Tu B'Shvat, you usually got a brown paper bag, right, and in it were things that were supposed to be fruit, right? So in other words, there was boxer, there was boxer, which again, the dentists love it. I can only imagine the Jewish community, the number of dental emergencies spikes, right, on Tu B'Shvat. But actually, if you ever have actual boxer, it's quite delicious. The dried boxer leaves a lot to be desired. And fruit, okay, so like, fine, fine. Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe there's a different schedule for the day, right? But Lamaisa, like, if it's such a powerful day, why not go ahead and make it into more of a yomtiv? You know, there is such a concept of like a Tu B'Shvat Seder. You know, in Eretz Yisrael, this is a much bigger thing. Right? In America, you don't really have it as much. By the Hasidim, Tu B'Shvat is a very big thing. The Rebbe's often have a Tu B'Shvat Tish. So, but again, like, if it's such a profound day, so why not attach more Simcha to it, right? The only thing most of us are doing, the only thing most of us are doing on Tu B'Shvat is what? Eating fruit and not saying Tachanon. Eating fruit and not saying tachron. That's like the extent of my dosha. So if it's such a powerful day, why not make it more into a I'll tell you why. Because it's only a powerful day if you tap into it. Because you know what the reality is? Most people don't take advantage of Tu B'Shvat. The reality is most of us don't take advantage of new beginnings. Most of us kind of get into a rhythm of living and we just continue along that rhythm until something dramatic happens that forces me to develop a new rhythm. But more often in life, people don't take advantage of life-altering opportunities. People don't take advantage of the opportunity to, to, to literally tap into the sap, to be able to go ahead and restart and renew and reinvigorate and rejuvenate. So because most people don't take advantage of this, Chazal said, you can't make it into a full-blown yamtiv. So instead, we'll make it into a quasi-yamtiv, hoping that each individual would choose to fan the flames of this simcha into something even greater. So it's a shtik yamtif. It's a small yamtif. It's a little piece of simcha. But it's up to us to make it into something greater. So we begin on a journey of Tu B'Shvat that begins with agricultural significance, which is incredible. And then we see that this day has incredible personal relevance and significance as well. Because today is the day. Today is the day 
that if we want to say, even though I may look tired and withered and like I'm in the middle of a major life winter, I want to renew. I want to rejuvenate. I want a new beginning. And if you want that new beginning, if you want it, today is your day. And if you want to become the Rosh Hashanah, if you want to make today the Rosh Hashanah for your Elon, for your personalistic tree, that ability is absolutely yours. All you need to do is want it enough to take advantage of it, is want it enough to find your sap. And I'll just end off with one last piece. There's a beautiful idea. Actually, I put it on the sheet, but I'll tell it to you outside. It's number 16 on the sheet, but I'll tell it to you outside. The Baba Rebbe says something so beautiful. The Baba Rebbe quotes on the same idea, on the same idea about Kia Adam Eitz Sada. So he says something amazing. He says that with trees, you know, if you ever, if you ever like, maybe you've seen this, like by your own homes, when you plant trees, you ever notice like, what do they do with new trees? Saplings. You put it on the ground, but what do you normally do with it? Ever see this? Oh, I'm sorry? You prop it up. Excellent. You anchor it. What they'll often do is they'll put like two posts in the ground, right? And tie a rope to the, between the posts and the tree. Between the posts and the tree. Why do they do that? Right? Because again, when the tree is young, when the tree is young, it's very malleable. So if it grows in the wrong direction, so we want the tree to grow straight up. So they anchor it, they anchor it, they write the tie with two things. Now let me ask you this. What happens if you have an old tree, right? And you try to go ahead and tie it to two posts to straighten it out. What happens? Nice Nothing. Nice try, right? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And the Baba Rabbi says, what an incredible you saw for us on Tu B'Shvat as well. Today, girls, each of us are given a brand new tree. It's a brand new tree. If you want it, no one's going to force you to take it. But if you would like a brand new life tree, a brand new personalistic tree, it is yours for the taking. But if you're going to get a new tree, make sure you anchor it in the right way. Tie it to something that stabilizes it. Tie your tree, anchor your tree in Torah. Anchor your tree in Tefillah. Anchor your tree in Chesed. Take that, because new beginnings are wonderful. But new beginnings are only worth anything if you do something meaningful with it. And the great challenge in life is so often we get beautiful opportunities and then what happens? We squander them. We just simply, we just, and not even actively squander them. We just don't take advantage of them. So if you want your new tree, it's there for the taking. You want to go ahead and unlock your sap, it's yours for the taking. But if you're going to take advantage of this beautiful day, if you're going to take advantage of this incredible opportunity, Make sure your sapling doesn't grow sideways. Anchor it with the things which will give it stability. Tie it to Torah. Tie it to Tefillah. Tie it to Chesed. Tie it to Klal Yisrael. Tie it to the things that will stabilize your tree, that will give it Nitzchias. And this is the Yantav of Tu B'Shat. So I take the opportunity to wish all of you a good Yantav. We should all be Zohar, Mir HaShem, to have a beautiful Tu B'Shat. A Tu B'Shat in which no matter how tired or withered or worn we may look, that we make the choice to activate our sap. We make the choice to regenerate and rejuvenate our tree. We make the choice to anchor our tree to the right things in life which give us stability. And in Merit Hashem, may our new trees grow strong, strong roots, 
strong branches, and may they grow strong and beautiful fruit of accomplishment. Thank you.